Oh, I don't think I had a pillow at that point because no, I was like, why do you need a pillow for backpacking? Huh. And so my head is just like, I was just so irritated and I kind of kept complaining about it or something. And <laughs> and Molly was really obsessed with like, just use your bowl. Well, just put your had, bowl on your head these, and prop it up. We had bowls and I was like, well, okay, if your head is below your feet, just use the bowl yeah. and elevate your head. And Carrie was and finally... I, I, no, Shayla, our friend who oh, went yeah. with us, she finally was like, you know what, Molly, Carrie's just not going to use the bowl. So enough, stop bringing it up. Enough, enough about with the bowl. bowl. Hi, this is Carrie. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to the Two Two Sisters Sisters on Adventures Adventures podcast. So just a little background uh, for both of us. We moved to Oregon in 2018. Molly moved in like March of, no, January of 2018. And I moved out in October. And so Molly got super into hiking during her first summer there. Because if any of you know anything about Oregon, it's that it has awesome summers, sunny and dry and unlimited access to the backcountry. And so when I moved there, I was actually not as into hiking as Molly. And I kind of said, you know, I'll give it a shot. And if I like hiking, I'll do it. And if I don't, then that'll be the thing that you do by yourself. And I'll just (laughs) do whatever I want. But we ended up both loving it. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where you just start with what you're capable of doing. And then you learn and grow from there. And you, I mean, we had some different friends that when hiking and backpacking, and we kind of aspired to do longer trips, um, but it was, we were just growing and developing our skills over time. So we started out doing day hiking, and so we did so many fun day hikes uh, in Oregon. You know, you have the wildflower hikes in the gorge in the spring, and then wildflower hikes in the mountains in the summer, and obviously the Cascades by Ben, the South Sister, Broken Top, all of those places. And we were, like, kind of afraid of backpacking. Yeah, we always were like, well, we don't need to backpack because we can just do a 20-mile day hike. And we just kept going further and further in a day because we just wanted to see so much. But we didn't have any of the, like, materials needed for backpacking. We um, never really grew up camping or anything. We got to be outside a lot. We got to do a lot of awesome stuff in our childhood, but we just never really camped or backpacked. And so we kind of were, and um, honestly, we didn't know how to use the bathroom outside, which yeah. is probably our biggest barrier to backpacking <laughs> in the there end. Are, there are good stories. Yeah, but there. in <laughs> the spring of 2020, I had kind of been researching a lot about backpacking because I started thinking, well, if we can go 20 miles in one day, that's cool. But there's stuff that you have to go even further to see yeah. and to enjoy, you know, the wilderness. I've got the burps. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, um... So we, um, so I had been researching a ton about that and we saw that there was a sale and some cash back on it that you could get, um, on a backpacking tent that was pretty lightweight and I'd done all the research and decided it was a good one for us. So we bought that and at first we just said we were gonna, I think we just were gonna use it to camp by our car actually when we bought it. I don't know if we oh, were committing wow. to backpacking at that yeah. point. We are kind of like, wow. well, at least we'd have a tent if we ever did want to backpack. I mean, our first night in that tent, uh, so it was the Nemo Hornet two-person. Mm-hmm. And how much does it weigh, Carrie? Um, probably like one pound sixteen ounces. I don't. I can't remember right now. Don't put me on the spot. Is it sixteen ounces a pound? (laughs) (laughs) One pound fourteen ounces. (laughs) Yeah, it's one pound sixteen ounces. I don't know. It's under two pounds. Just Google it yourself. Um. So we were like. (sighs) 
honestly, right, we like hadn't done any camping in Oregon, only these long, long day hikes, 20 miles or even more. Yeah. And then we're like, well, we're going to get this tent and it's going to open the door to backpacking. And the first time we use it, oh, and we decided let's get the lightest tent that we can because we had big aspirations and I'm yeah. glad we did. Yeah. Um, but our first time using it, we were camping well, near okay. the John Day Fossil Vents. Yeah. And Molly said. <laughs> in Oregon. Oh, like, we don't need to look up how to set this tent up. It's going to be so easy. We'll just, like, intuitively why know how to I do it. That? I don't know why. You're, you're the fly by the seat of the pants, yeah. which is fine because it's very adventurous. And I'm a little more by the books. Anyway, we didn't look into it. And Molly really wanted to camp by this river. So we pitched our tent on these river literal rocks. river rocks, oh which gosh. is, like, the worst spot you could possibly. No. I mean, it's, like, uneven. Anyways, we had a horrible time uh, pitching the tent. But... <laughs> And we didn't even put the rain fly on because we were like, we have no idea how to attach this. Well, we didn't even, like, know how to, like, stake the I know, tent. yeah. We, I don't even... I think the we rocks st- were on top of the stakes at one... Well, it was sandy, so you couldn't really stake it there either. Yeah. Anyway, ultimately, it was a pretty weird setup. It was, like, half collapsed, actually. And we even ripped the bottom oh, of yeah. our tent on the very first yes, night, even though we had the footprint. Yeah. The yeah. river rocks were so sharp. Yeah. We ripped our tent yeah. and... It was, but yeah. it was also yeah. magical. Yeah, it like, was a great time. It was such a such a fun thing to finally sleep outside. We'd done car camping before, but we never actually like slept outside. So anyway, so after that, we went home. We watched a video. Yeah, we staked it in to, our backyard. Yeah. I'm sure our neighbors thought something weird was happening at our <laughs> house, and um, it and it we did that because one of our friends was coming to visit, and we were gonna go camping with her actually. Yeah. And I told Molly, we don't want her to see us, like, over there with no idea how to put our tent up and all these new people we've never met before. Um, So, anyway, so ultimately we did figure out how to set up the tent, and we went on our very first backpacking trip um, where we actually went backpacking with a close friend of ours who came out to visit us, and... It, it was actually pretty funny because it's a two-person tent. It's very small. Oh it really only fits two people, and you're very close together. And we tried to put three people in it. And that was also kind of a funny scenario because we <laughs> were not all clear on which direction to pitch it. And we ended up pitching it so that two people had their heads, like, up, up way... <laughs> Way we, below where we, their feet were. We pitched it on an incline. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the heads were way down low and the feet were up high. And this is, like, we were, you know, like, southwest of Bend. We yeah. were in the Three Sisters Wilderness area. Yeah. You know, a half, well, a quarter mile from this, like, gorgeous lake. Mm-hmm. It was the most beautiful campsite. Yeah. But here we pitch it on, like, a slight incline, yep. which is, you know, good durable surface. Mm-hmm. And we pitch it where the head end of the tent is at the bottom of the incline. Yep. And we didn't realize it until the tent was up, and we were not going to redo it, of course. No, of course not. So I was the fortunate one to Yeah, be her in head the was middle. up well, but your head was not way below your feet. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I just was, and I'd given my pillow. Oh, I don't think I had a pillow at that point, because no, I was like, did, why do you need a pillow for backpacking? Huh. And so my head was just like, I was just so irritated, and I kind of kept complaining about it or something. And <laughs> and Molly was really obsessed with, like, just use your bowl. Well, just put your had, bowl on your head and prop it up we had bowls and i was like well okay if your head is below your feet just use the bowl yeah. and elevate your head and carrie was and finally I, I, no shayla our friend who oh, went yeah. with us she finally was like you know what molly carrie's just not gonna use the bowl so enough, stop bringing it up enough, enough about with the, the bowl, bowl. <laughs> so anyways um that was our that first was backpacking us trip. backpacking originally yeah. Yeah. um and it's it's evolved since yeah. then <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, so now you know a little bit about our initial shenanigans. Uh, I'm here to reassure you that we grew and learned over time. So we started out with like, you know, the one night backpacking trips fairly close to civilization. And then we started doing like a one or two night trip further into a wilderness area and we built a three, four. I think the most we'd done before the John Muir Trail was a six night backpacking trip glacier yeah, people wilderness. yeah so year over year we carrie was the researcher uh she you know continued to research new trails uh figure out what kind of gear we needed to add to our kit and then you know we put on the miles and had the you know wonderful funny stressful experiences that come along with time in the backcountry mm-hmm. and we got to the point where you know we'd done a lot of kind of mid-range trails in our home territory in Oregon and Washington. And we were looking to say like, what what would be the next thing that we could do uh, to take our our backpacking kind of to the next level? Mm -hmm. And so I had seen that there is a trail in California called the John Muir Trail. And it's supposed to take you through some of the most beautiful areas in the Sierra Nevada wilderness of California. And I also had looked into the permit process and I knew it would be pretty competitive and Molly and I are originally from North Dakota, and we had kind of been considering um, whether or not we'd like to move back home and be a little closer to family. And so I told her, well, we may as well start like applying for this permit process because you have to start applying in February, really. Um, I don't think we started applying until April, though, because you start applying six months before you want to start on the trail. And so we kind of looked into the process, and we... Um, of course we made a few mistakes cause it's a confusing permit process. Oh, we both applied. And so then they emailed us and said that you can't like two people from the same household can't apply. So that got rejected. And then, um, I applied again and we didn't win the well, lottery. So Carrie, it's a weekly lottery. Carrie's the like, uh, the I, ace in the hole. Yeah, when typically it comes a little to lucky when it permits. comes to winning lottery permits. She is like doing all the lotteries, winning all the lotteries. Not all. Not all, but yeah, not pretty all. much everything we lot. wanted to do, we've yeah. gotten to do. Um, and Carrie's won a permit. And so I was like, well, why am I yeah. applying for this? Like, Carrie, take take over. Yeah. And, and so I think it was the third or the fourth week of yeah, applying. Yeah, of applying. And I just would, you know, fill it out every week and they get my little rejection note from them. And <laughs> uh, But I was kind of okay with it because secretly I was hoping we could start in early September. Yeah. I knew that that was a good time in the high Sierras, typically, where the bugs are going to be dead um, river crossings aren't going to be as dangerous because there's not a lot of snow that's left to melt. And a lot of, uh, the John Muir Trail kind of has a reputation for being very busy, having a lot of people on it. But in September, a lot of people are back in school, back at work. And so I thought it might have a chance at being more empty. And finally, one morning I woke up and I saw that we had the permit and it was kind of <laughs> one of those exciting times. Yeah. So uh, finally, when, so we had the permit and then it was like the well, first of all, it's just like this real excitement. <laughs> Honestly, I was kind of like, oh, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got so much planning to do. And I just started thinking about how cold I was going to be at night. Oh, gosh. But I was also very excited. Yeah, and I was not thinking of the logistics too much, uh, but I was just really excited. Yeah. Like, wow, we get to do this amazing thing. And uh, we, you know, once again, uh we learned some hacks further down the road about mm-hmm. how you can work the permit system and the, you know, seven day in advance rolling window for walk-ups in our favor. But at that point in time, you know, we were like, wow, we had it. Yeah. We got really yeah. lucky. We, we yeah. got this permit. And it was one of those things where when you get it, you never actually know if you're going to get a chance to do it because September's a month for wildfires yeah. in California and 
you just never know what's going to happen on the trail. So, or even in your personal life. So yeah. we got it. It was kind of like, it was an exciting thing, but you kind of also are like, oh, I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not. But it was something to kind of start working towards. And so at this point, uh, Carrie and I both work in healthcare. I'm a physical therapist, and Carrie is a medical. Gosh, I'm a mad scientist. (laughs) A medical laboratory scientist. Mm -hmm. And so she was doing a seven on seven off night shift, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that left her with uh, a lot of work to do in seven days, and then a little bit of time in between her seven weeks on or seven days on to do some research. So she took on the brunt of research for the John Muir Trail. And so we like had the permit. So that Mm -hmm. was step one. Yeah, step one. And then uh, should we talk about uh, our walk-up permits at this point or wait a little bit? Yeah, you can go ahead. So we we got our first permit through the lottery and we didn't get a happy valley. Yeah, so um, happy 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 valley or... (laughs) happy isles is the traditional starting point of the john muir trail so if you want to get the full 211 miles you start at happy isles and you end at mount whitney the summit of mount whitney is the terminus of the trail but um there's a second starting point called lyell canyon and lyell canyon was a spot that we had gotten our permit from yeah, and so that's going and starting in Tuolumne Meadows, and that's about 25 miles up the trail, mm-hmm. so you don't get to start in Yosemite Valley, you don't get to walk past Half Dome, mm-hmm. um, but you can get but on you get the trail, to on the John you get trail. to go over yeah. the Donahue Pass, mm-hmm. and you get to, to continue on the trail. So we got that permit, we were super excited, yes. but it wasn't the like traditional, if you're doing you know the trail in continuous form. Yeah. Uh, connecting it all by steps exactly so we we won that permit and then we knew that in you know yosemite's permit system which is the same for this year 2023 as it was last year they have a a seven day basically walk up permit so it used to be that you show up the early the morning of or the night before and you hang out at the ranger station and then they give away a a certain number of permits every day and i've changed that to being solely on Mm recreation.gov at this point and now you it's 7 a.m pacific time you go on and they release a batch of permits for seven days in advance so we New living in Oregon where they've implemented a permit system for the Central Cascades, we kind of know the ins and outs of how that works and mm-hmm. how you have to play their game. And so we figured, you know what, let's at least see seven days in advance of when we want to start the per- the trail. And we got September 5th, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we wanted to see, can we get one from Happy Isles and, and do the full trail? So, of course, seven days in advance. It's the end of August and we're in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go on, uh, you know, right at 7 p.m. or 7 a.m. p.m. And of course they have the permit we wanted, Happy mm-hmm, Isles. Yeah. So we take that permit and now even though we want Which was f- exciting for us because when you start from uh Lyle Canyon, you have to arrange transportation yes. to take you mm-hmm. from ha- like Yosemite Valley up to Lyle Canyon, and that's complicated and it yeah. costs a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. So when we were gonna get to start in Yosemite Valley at Happy Isles, we were really excited about that just because that cut out our need for public transportation, which is not always the most reliable thing to take. Exactly. Um, so yeah. we were excited to get the permit, and it was probably, I don't know, it was. so we got that permit on a Monday, because that would be one week before mm-hmm. we started. Yeah. 
And I think it was like Thursday morning. Yeah. I woke and I released my permit actually. Yeah. We leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I released my permit and, and and I also canceled. So we were going to take a a bus from Yosemite Valley up to Tuolumne. So I canceled that. I was like, we don't need to take the public transportation. And I released my permit for leaving from Lyle Canyon. And we woke up one morning or I woke up one morning and me always with concerns. (laughs) What? Wait a second. I've been seeing that there's going to be heat waves in California. What if um, Happy Isles, even though it's still higher, um, it's still only at 4,000 feet. What if it's really going to be hot there? And I look online and the forecast for that day is 110 degrees and smoky. At Happy Isles. In, in Yosemite yeah, Valley. Yeah, Yosemite Valley. Yeah. But um, in Lyell Canyon, it's a high of 80 degrees and no smoke. And I thought, oh, boy. So I tell Molly, like, okay, we need to look for a new permit. So we, we were able to get another permit and because, it, once and again, September was, is less popular. This was only, like, four, yeah. four days yeah. in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to get... There were still permits for Lyle Canyon yes. that were yes. Donahue Pass eligible, yeah. and that means you get to cross over mm-hmm. the pass and continue on the John Muir yeah. Trail, because most of the permits that you get in Yosemite, you have to stay in that yep. area. You, yep. can't you can't leave go. the park mm-hmm. on the on the PCT. Yeah, and so <laughs> fortunately, we were able to snag another permit. Molly released her old permit. Oh, gosh. Bought another <laughs> yeah, set, bought of, another bus set of bus tickets. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like a little bit of a chaotic time where we were like, excited to go and then excited to start from happy um happy isles and another thing about starting from happy isles is those 25 miles have what like six thousand feet of elevation gain so it's one of those things where it's 110 degrees and you're not walking on flat ground no you're going up 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 and there's uh more limited water sources Mm -hmm. along that area so it was just one of those things where starting at 110 degrees and smoke just really with seemed like a lot more totally unsafe. full packs. Yeah, and- yeah, with packs that are, you know, loaded up and you've got your food for the next however many days. Just did not seem like a good plan for us. So I'm thankful that everything worked out in the end, but it was kind of one of those things where... Uh, you think you've got everything set, and then it just goes crazy. So uh, a takeaway, I think, from this would be, uh, and we've learned this backpacking over the years, mm-hmm. flexibility yeah. is oh, yeah. basic, it's paramount, mm-hmm. and having not only a plan A and B, but a plan C and D, mm-hmm. and then probably, like, you know, iterations of those plans are really necessary to have a good time in the backcountry. Yeah. So we were able to not only get the permit through the lottery, but then also yeah. through the walk-up process. And, the walk up and we found the one that worked the best for us yeah. and had an awesome experience. Yeah. Okay, so after we got our permit, flipping back to that... Flipping back actually way back to the time when we had our original permit and we were still preparing for the trail. (laughs) Um, So we got our permit and then one of the things that you have to decide is how often do you want to resupply. And so for this trail, since it's 211 miles, we were not going to be able to do that in like four days. So we, (laughs) um, we were able to carry like eight days of food, each, each one of us. But um, we kind of had to think through how often we would want to stop. And so when I was preparing for the trail, um, I wasn't sure exactly how well we were going to do at elevation, if we were going to need to take things a little bit slower or go a little bit faster. So I just, we discussed it and we decided that we would resupply twice. The first time we would resupply at Red's Meadow. And then, and that's about what, 50 miles into the trail? That sounds... 60? About right. I think it was like 45, but it's like around 60 yeah. from 
from uh, the original Yosemite trailhead, Valley. yeah. <laughs> and then we also were going to resupply at Muir Trail Ranch, which is 110 miles in. We considered resupplying at Vermilion Valley Ranch, um, but we didn't want to commit to that because you have to either take a ferry if there's enough water in the lake or you have to hike an extra, like, seven miles one way, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah. And so we didn't want to have to commit to hiking an extra 14 miles if the ferry wasn't running or taking the ferry if we were just kind of on a roll. Um, so we picked Muir Trail Ranch and then um, Red's Meadow to resupply. So that was kind of a whole thing in and of itself because you have to go to each of their separate re- uh, websites and read the rules oh, about gosh, mailing yeah. stuff. And so I would be like trying to figure it out. And, you know, one of them, you have to mail a check um, oh, gosh. a week before you mail your bucket, <laughs> which should be two weeks before your expected <laughs> arrival date. And then you need to write that all in the thing. And then the other one, you pay online with a credit card and then you're supposed to mail the bucket I think it might have been three weeks in advance and of when you intend to arrive, but you need to be pretty accurate about the date that you're going to arrive to Muir Trail Ranch because they only bring the buckets from their warehouse a couple of days before. So if you're like way ahead of your Mm -hmm. time, then you might show up and there might not be a bucket there, but you also don't want to fudge it so far that it's been there for days and maybe, um, you know, I don't know if eventually they might just let other hikers go through it if you just leave it there. So we had to kind of calculate out how many days we thought it would take us to walk however many miles and kind of also say, well, maybe we'll go a couple days back just in case we arrive there early. And ultimately, we were able to actually pick pretty accurate dates for arrival. I think we got there two days early for our Red's Meadow one because we were keeping a really good pace. And I had kind of um, fudged it in a way because I didn't know if we were going to be coming all the way from Happy Isles Mm -hmm. or if we were going to have any issues with the early elevation because on the very... On the second day, we already went over a pass that was 11,000 feet. And so um, I didn't want us, if we were having any sort of elevation sickness, to feel like we had to really push ourselves. Um, So Molly and I had to go to Walmart together. And well, actually, first we went out to breakfast. Yeah. And we... And this was the day after we had had quit quit our our jobs. jobs. (laughs) Yeah, it was the day after our last day of work. And so we went out to breakfast together and sat down to calculate exactly how much food we were going to need to bring with us. And it was peach season in Oregon. So we had peach crepes and peach pancakes Mm -hmm. at the original Pancake House. Yeah. And it was delightful. And we didn't even bring a piece of paper with us to do our resupply. And so we asked our waiter, like, excuse us, uh, or excuse, can we please have a piece of paper? So he gave us the entire, like, uh, ordering book thing that they write on. Which was great. So we we were sitting there with, Mm -hmm. I think, his pencil and the, you know, piece of paper, his notepad that he uses for orders to scratch out what we needed in our resupplies. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of math. Like, we had the calculator going. So Molly and I have done a lot of backpacking. Um, you know, at pretty much in the summer, every other week, we're backpacking for almost the whole week if we can. Yeah. And so we've kind of got it dialed in as far as what we eat per day. Like typically yeah. we'll bring two packets of oatmeal per person. Um, depending on how strenuous it is, we might bring two to three cliff bars per day. We per bring person. per person. We bring each bring a tortilla and a tuna packet. Goldfish and crackers. Our special thing is you can have some goldfish crackers for lunch, or you can have go go squeeze applesauce. Applesauce. Occasionally some Teddy Grahams, and then we always have some candy for every day we're hiking because after a certain point, your body just needs calories to keep going. That yeah. elevation gain, you know, will hit you and. 
So we have it pretty dialed in on, on what keeps us feeling And we good. always went with freeze-dried <clears throat> meals <clears throat> for dinner. We never got quite into the yeah, we never, self-dehydrating. Yeah, we're quite as prepared. Maybe someday. Maybe um, this year. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. So we definitely had it all kind of able where we and could say... And we'd been on like already two or three backpacking trips in 2022 in yeah. that early summer. So we were already in our groove. We knew mm-hmm. off the top of our head what we needed. So we yeah. just had to sit down and like figure out how many actual days and nights yeah. we were going to be on each section of the trail. Yeah. So we knew how much to send to ourselves. And we had to figure out like the hypothetical number that we needed if we were to start at Happy Hour oh versus gosh, yeah. the hypothetical number if we were going to start at... Um, Lyell Canyon slash Tuolumne Meadows. So we sat down and we did all that calculation and all the math. And then it was like 6,200 packets, you know? I don't know if that was actually the number. You'll have to look. It was kind of a ridiculous number. So then we went to Walmart and we put it all in our cart. And we had just the craziest looking cart of like tuna packets and tortillas and candy and um, all that good stuff to keep you going. Uh, Goldfish crackers and then we bought ourselves some five-gallon pails because they ask you to use five-gallon pails when you mail stuff because your uh, food has to go on a journey of its own. It has to go on like a mule train and across a lake, and then they don't want mice to get into it. And um, it is kind of funny to be the person going into the post office with your five-gallon pails and being like, I'd like to mail this to a remote mountain ranch. Well, I'll interject. So um, I think like our grand totals, uh, we had like... 98 cliff bars, 32 tuna packets, 90 tabs of electrolytes. Like we were, and that was even uh, knowing that we weren't going to be able to pack quite as yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But the yep. funny thing, so we, you know, had to buy all of the food and we also had some that we just had from backpacking yeah. and then put it in our, our five gallon buckets. And then we also had decided uh, that to enroll in like this uh, healthy organ project oh, through yeah, uh, yeah. Oregon Health Sciences yeah. University where you just send them a spit sample and then they do like genetic testing and just look for yeah. genetic uh, links for cancer. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, we might as well do that too. And so we like show up at the post office. Yeah. And so like the healthy organ project, they send you these uh, mouthwash and you have to yeah. rinse out your mouth for a minute and spit it into this tube and you have to send it to them within 24 hours. So it mm-hmm. doesn't to nature or whatever and so we show up at the post office and we have these buckets of food and we have these like it these packages that say like biohazard human sample and i'm not related i'm sure these people are like who are these girls like with all these weird items they're mailing yeah we're just it was it was pretty funny so yeah so we had to figure out all that kind of stuff and we got it mailed out in time and um it did end up making it to its destination which i I was always nervous about it, but it was kind of funny because if you're someone who's ever gone backpacking or has eaten freeze-dried meals, <laughs> if you've had like the oh mountain house or the backpacker's uh, pantry, you know that those can really affect um, <laughs> your digestive system. For some people, uh, they eat it and it seems like it doesn't come out. And for some <laughs> people, it seems like it won't stop. And it's just one of those things where it, wow, it can really affect a person so I'd seen these ad for these meals that were supposed to be, like, healthy, and you're supposed to be able to, like, heat them in the microwave. It's They're supposed like, to be for people yeah. in the office who wanted healthier meals. And so I was like, you know what, Molly? Let's just go ahead and risk it all on these. And well, we're like... okay, so you look at the nutrition label of... Okay, so we love Backpackers Pantry. Yeah, nothing like, against them. We use it a lot, and mm-hmm. they have wonderful, tasty meals, yes. and they have the calories that we need. Yeah. But you look at the nutrition label, and it really is not 
it's lacking when it comes to a lot of vitamins and yeah. minerals and fiber. Like, I think you could have, like, all the servings in a container and maybe you get two grams of fiber. Yeah. And it's like, mm, like, nah, I don't love that. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at Huel and it has, like, you know, it has, like, your, like, basically all the vitamins and minerals that you need and also a good amount of fiber. And you're like, wow, we could eat, actually eat freeze-dried meals for, like, yeah. weeks <clears throat> and get the nutrients that we need mm-hmm. as well as the sodium and the calories that we also need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of took a leap of faith yeah. with the Huel meals because we never even tried them. Yeah. And we didn't try them until we were no, on the Because I would be like, what if we have issues? And I'm like, well, if we have issues, I've already mailed them out. So yeah. let's just find that out on the trail. <laughs> So we, we ended up getting the Huel meals, and what's your summary there? Um, I think, to be fair, we did not write the amount of water <laughs> that you needed to rehydrate each of the meals. Yes. So there was, I would say, a problem there, because we would make, they were like brick meals. <laughs> and, <laughs> we, like, towards oh. the end, I would just be like, you know, Molly, um, I've eaten as much as I can do, and the rest is going to have to be all you. <laughs> And luckily she picked up the slack there because I got, I got as far as I could. And I think the um, only one that wasn't like a brick was there was like a Mexican There was some noodle chili. ones. Oh. And oh, that was like tasty. That I like it. I also like their chicken something, the kind of spicy noodle one, the first one yeah, we ever had. And um, then we brought it, we brought many of those, but then we were like, we have so many. We don't need to eat that. We'll yeah. The but the, yeah, the unfortunate thing yeah. is we use a jet boil and mm-hmm. it's uh, like a 16 ounce. So we can yeah. overfill it to probably like 18 or 20 yeah. ounces. And I think a lot of the Huel meals, because we were able to double yeah. them. So we had a lot of calories yeah. per meal. Like way more than if we were splitting. Like, yeah. A, yeah. So it was worth it. A freeze-dried yeah. meal. Um, but I think that we probably like shorted it at least 10 ounces yeah, of water. Yeah. I'm like, I think that I would try it again, but I would maybe try it with the correct amount of water because yeah. <laughs> it did taste good, but it was just like kind of hard. It's, it's hard to eat a brick meal after a certain number of days of eating it. However, and... though, being on trail for that many days, I would say like digestively, that was probably yeah, the best had... backpacking yeah. trip I've ever had. Yeah. And I was eating that meal for like, you know. 10 days at least, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of um, one of those interesting little things about resupplying that we decided on. And another thing about when you're backpacking um, on the John Muir Trail, you have to have a hard-sided bear canister. Mm-hmm. And so that... The size of that, I don't know. How would you try to describe that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess... It's something that can fit inside a backpack. I don't know how to describe it. It's yeah. just a certain number of liters. Um, you can just Google bear canisters. I think it's called a 500, yeah. the Bear Bowl yeah. 500. So you can fit have. a pretty good amount of food in there, but um, I think that, I mean, the la- we've put like eight days of food in there. And, and everyone, everyone does it differently, right? Yeah. Some people are like, um, you know, we've backpacked with friends that, you know, they don't want to bring that big of a container yeah. and they'll do the crushing everything up so that you know it's still calories but it doesn't take up as much space and you can cram it into a smaller one carrie and i we love to eat like i'm not interested in shorting myself calories when i'm on the trail so we figured you know what if it takes up a little bit more space and it's a little bit more weight but we don't have to be absolutely starving then uh i'm okay with that so (laughs) all the food that we sent in our resupply didn't actually fit in the bear cans that we had but i knew it wouldn't i sent it anyways though because sometimes when you're on trail um, 
things that you really liked yeah. at the beginning oh, you do not like by them I'll at all. give an example yeah. so we were like okay calorically let's just choose like the most calorically dense foods we need things with fat and so we did this research and we were like okay macadamia nuts are like one of the best things you okay, can bring yeah. there's a, okay well that's Molly what I, that was Molly's best thing she <laughs> could bring I was had no part in that but go ahead <laughs> I thought that was the best thing I could possibly bring um, and so I ordered a Costco sized thing of macadamia nuts and I tried them in my house and I said, these are great. This is amazing. So many calories. <laughs> these are the nuts that I'm going to bring. And, uh, it turns out when you're, when they're cold and you're at altitude and your body is tired and then you have to crunch through this, you know, massive macadamia nut that is like cold and hard. <laughs> it's just too much work. And I was like, yeah. I can't eat them. I think yeah. I ate like half of a bag yeah. and that was all that I ate of macadamia nuts. And so like Carrie's saying, it's important to bring options at yeah. your resupply. Or do, send not, do not assume that you're going to want to eat the same thing the whole time because you might not be able Able. Yeah, I was able. I was, you might not be able slash capable of eating it. Like it just is not going to happen. Yeah. Or sometimes I love this one flavor of Cliff Bar, but yeah. then I get tired of it. So it's good to have some. So Which I I brought I, extra food on purpose. I never tried the banana, peanut butter, chocolate chip mm, Cliff Bar. Yum. Until the John Muir Trail. Yum. And we bought it because we got like yep. a multi pack mm -hmm. and it came along with yes. it. Or we were just trying to buy variety. Yeah. Because we were yeah. like. I was not going to eat the mint one. Like, what in the heck? A yeah, mint chocolate chip? About Gross. That, no. But we bought that one after we had, like, turned up our nose at it for yeah. years. And Ooh, that was the best clip. That is the hack. That That's was the so one good. I looked forward to. And I was, like, crying as I ate my white <laughs> no. chocolate macadamia nut it's like, one. Like, no, I'm not going to share with but you this one. But the banana peanut butter chocolate chip. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that one. So, anyways... We knew that it wasn't all going to fit, but it was kind of worth it. Another thing that's interesting is in your resupply, you have to send, you have to think of other consumables to send. So we mailed ourselves like um, chapstick and yeah. sunscreen and toilet paper. toilet paper, things where it's like you might need more than one roll of toilet paper or like over the what course if something of two weeks, tragic you know? happens and now you, yeah. it's all gone. Yeah, definitely. We've been there before where suddenly, you know, uh, someone's toilet paper has rolled the same direction that their feet <laughs> oh, was <gosh>. going. <laughs> I'm not going to shout out that person who that happened to, but if they listen to it, you can text me. Um, so anyways, it's one of those things where it's just good to have a backup that you send to yourself. And if you don't use it, luckily you can leave it in a resupply box there and yeah. someone else who needs it might be which able to take it. We can it. touch on that. Yeah. Which by slash, I would just like to say we did forget to send ourselves toothpaste. Yes. So put that in your resupply buckets. Yes. And fortunately at the Muir Trail Ranch, they yeah. did sell us some you can You can buy it, but the nice gal that worked there, yeah. she just gave us like a travel size one for free. So that was She was that the was nicest. Kind. Yeah. Um, and so as far as resupplies, we met a lot of people who just do the trail, the JMT, uh, and they just rely on hiker boxes. Yeah. So we met a lot of groups where they just cruise up to like VVR, uh, Muir Trail Ranch, look through the hiker boxes and they can fully resupply, uh, which that's like a little too much risk probably than we would take on just in case you showed up and there wasn't what you needed. Yeah. And I like to have what I like to eat. But also. it's true. You can, uh, you can kind of trade in and out and yeah. supplement what you send yourself with stuff mm -hmm. from the hiker box. One of our friends that we hiked with had the, a Biscoff cookie that she found. Oh my gosh. Yeah, hiker we were box. so jealous of And her. we were all just drooling uh -huh. as she ate that Biscoff yeah, cookie. Because, it really and good. it was like the one you get on the airplane. Like, yeah. Well, definitely someone was, got it on the airplane yeah. on the way there, brought it with them and was like, I don't want this. But yeah. And so your trash or someone else's trash is another person's treasure.
thanks for listening to this episode as we basically recapped how we kind of got into hiking and backpacking and then covered a little bit of our preparatory work to start out with the JMT. Yeah, hopefully our following podcast will be a little more focused on on-trail stories and experiences, but we just figured we'd at least give you guys a little background into how we got there and some of the little tips and tricks we learned for dealing with the John Muir Trail specifically, because it's kind of a beast. It's overwhelming to figure out all the things that you need to know and at what point you need to know them. And so hopefully you guys, if anyone's interested in doing that, they can learn a little bit from this podcast, but hopefully ultimately you can just enjoy because honestly, it's fun to talk about and it's nice to have a captive audience (laughs) of our phone recording us regardless of who (laughs) listens, right? So thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm, Bye.